0: Kids, but it's been in God that it has kept you and it's been in God that has allowed you to make it to where you are right now so somebody ought to rejoice right there and acknowledge
1: the fact that I made it I made it may not have a job, but I made it. Every bill is paid. I, I'm not hungry. I have a food. I have a house over my head. I have a roof over my head. Listen, I may not have a car,
0: but I make it to work every morning on time. I made it. but I may have bills more than I have money, but I make everything due on time every month.
1: Nobody but God that has done it. Nobody but God. Listen, somebody thought they were going to make it through 2010. You had so many heartaches. You had so many disappointments. But here you are, January the 16th, 2011. You made it. You made it. Folks had given up on you. You gave up on yourself, but you made it. Folks have walked out on you, have left you for dead, left you stranded, but you made it. Listen, yes, we celebrate how God used Dr. King. Yes, we celebrate that, but we worship God because it was God that allowed him to do what he had to do. Hallelujah. 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 You made it. Come on, David says, sometimes I have to encourage myself. I have to lay hands on myself and tell myself, you can make it. You can get through this. You can make it through this hallelujah hallelujah come on and put those hands together and give God praise come on I'll take that one for myself come on and put those hands together and give the king of kings and the lord of Lords. we ought to be able to blow the roof let's take out the rest of these lights by lifting up our voices and giving praise and glory unto God for all that he has done for you hallelujah Listen, he bought you through Monday. He bought you through Tuesday. He bought you through Wednesday. He bought you through Thursday. He bought
0: you through Friday. He bought you through Saturday. And here you are today on the Lord's Day. And the, the, and the Bible says that this is the day that the Lord has made. And I shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. you may be seated in the presence of the lord hallelujah we give god the praise the glory and the honor for all that he's done amen for all that he is doing and all that he will do amen god is a good god amen amen you may not want to believe it or not but god is a good god all the time amen and all the time god is good amen my heart was just overjoyed this morning i i was in the hallway doing something i came through the door and there was a man there in the great suit handing me a bullet so I said wait a minute all the ushers got on black and purple and I looked up it was brother Reese excited amen about serving the Lord amen he told me he said listen pastor today was my last day of new membership class and I'm ready to get something he's there on the door ready amen amen and not only is he on the door ready but his wife over there in the purple suit is there in the choir I tell you, saints of God, I am so excited. Amen. The first that we had, our first crew of our new members that have gone through our new membership class, they're almost done. Amen. And it was down to the last five, but they have been faithful every week. Every week. I don't care. It was snow, rain, whatever it was. They were here. If they have to call the van to come get them, call somebody to come pick them up, they were here every week. Not at an 830, not at an 835, but at 815, 18, 8 o'clock, waiting. Amen, for new membership to start. I want Sister Celeste and Sister Sierra to stand, Sister Kathy and the Reese's to stand. Amen. They have been faithful. Come on, Hopewell. Amen. They have been faithful. They have been faithful. Hallelujah. They have been faithful. And what I love about it, what I love about it is that they're ready to work. They are ready to work. And God, did that that's a blessing. That is a blessing. I tell you, God is up to something, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Amen. 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 If you have your Bibles, go with me to Psalms 51. Psalms 51, because if I don't stop, I just think folks are going to just start bucking and shouting and just go wild up in here. Amen. You know, so we're going to go ahead and just go to the word. Psalms 51, verse 10. When you have it, let us all stand for the reading of God's word. And we're still in the the series Extreme Makeover. Psalms 51, verse 10. I'll be reading from the Amplified Bible. And it says this. When you have it, say amen. Amen. If you don't, just say wait, preacher. I'll wait on you. Amen. I'll wait. Psalms 51, verse 10 says this. Create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a right, persevering, and steadfast spirit within me. The King James Version says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Verse 11 says, Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. I want to talk to you today from the subject, the man in the mirror. The man in the mirror. Father God, we thank you for your power. We thank you for your authority. We thank you for your glory. We thank you for your presence that's in this place right now. God, we ask and pray that you will open up our hearts, our minds, our ears, and our spirits, oh God, that we will receive the word of God on today. Uh, we bind every type of distraction, we bind every type of hindrance, oh God, that will try to interfere. Devil, you are a liar and you are a defeated foe and because and because we're here on today, we're going to receive the word of God and we're going to receive it, and we're going to apply it to our lives and we ask all these things in the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray and all of God's people said, amen, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The man in the mirror. Psalms 51 deals uh, with the conditions, of the, with the condition of David's heart after the sinful act he commits with Bathsheba in First Samuel chapter 11. He quickly acknowledges his sin after being confronted by the prophet Nathan. He asks God to clean him of everything that's not like him, and a man that David has known. To be a man after God's own heart has not betrayed God, but also those whom he was serving. David's heart was in the wrong place. Arrogance, lust, pride, and selfishness fulfills his mind because he sees Bathsheba and understands that she is a married woman. And that, 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 that makes her off limits, that she's no longer available. But he follows his flesh and commits adultery. David realizes that he has made a huge mistake. He asked the Lord to give him a new heart. He said, because the old heart that I have, Lord, it's not like you. He realizes that in this extreme hard makeover that he's on the going, that he's going through will result in the removal of some things that may be precious, may be dear. But he says, the one thing that I don't want to lose, Lord, he said, don't take your presence." He said, don't take your presence from me, Lord. And he said, don't take your Holy Spirit from within me. Luke chapter 4, Luke I'm sorry, Luke chapter 6 verse 45 says this. A good man out of the good, good treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Sooner or later what is in the heart of an individual will soon reveal itself good or evil it will soon show its fruits david here in psalms 51 he 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 he, he makes up in his mind and he realizes god I allowed my flesh to override my spirit. I allowed my flesh to override my common sense. I knew that I should not have even tried to be with Bathsheba. I knew I was so caught up by how she looked. The Bible says over in 1 Samuel that David was minding his own business. He was walking in his house and Bathsheba. She was taking a bath. She got out the tub, and and David went back, and he took a double take of Bathsheba. He had never seen nothing like this before in his life. And the Bible says that he begins to he began to lust in his heart. He knew she was married to Uriah. Uriah was not only her husband, but Uriah was a man that served under David. Because sin has now overridden his heart. Lust has overridden his mind. He engages in intercourse with Bathsheba, knowing that she was married. So not only does he break the covenant that she's had with her husband, Uriah, but he breaks the covenant that he's made with God. Now, before David even did anything, it was all planned out and made up already in his mind. Saints of God, it starts all in your mind. Because the enemy understands, if I can get into your head, I talked about this last week, if I can get into your mind, everything else is going to follow. If I can get you to think a certain way, if I can get your thoughts to be on a certain thing and get your attention on that and get you distracted from your assignment, why was David in the house when he should have been on the battlefield? His soldiers are out there fighting. David should have been on the battlefield, but he's in the house caught up in his lust. That's what happens when you're not where you're supposed to be. Where well, you should be. You get caught up in doing things that you shouldn't do. You get caught up in saying things that you shouldn't say. You get caught up in fooling with people that you should not even be dealing with because you're at the wrong place at the wrong time. You should be at work, but you're at home. While you're at home, you're not sick today. You're supposed to be at church, but you say, Well, I'm just going to sleep in Jesus. understands. I don't work all week, too. I might have had a snow day, but I'm here. But he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. And everything that was in David's heart soon came out because he had to have the plan in his mind to listen. I'm going to sleep with Bathsheba, but just in case something happens, let me have. A let me have a backup plan, so just in case stuff something turn out the way. Listen, let me have a plan. And the Bible says over in First Samuel that David he he, he he slept with Bathsheba and she became pregnant. And he and, and Uriah was out there on the field. He said, "Listen, I know what I'm gonna do. I, know, I I got the plan. It sounds like a good idea." He said, "I'm gonna tell Uriah, come off the battlefield. You take a day off, buddy, and you go home and be." The Bible says, Uriah says, no, 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 sir. How can I go home and enjoy um, being home with my family? But yet the other soldiers die out, out here on the battlefield, the Bible says, and David continues to push him. Oh, go in, ahead, go in, ahead, Uriah, go home. And the Bible says that he gets home, but he lays out front of the door. He doesn't even go in. So David had a good idea. Oh, I got a good plan. I got a good plan. I'm going to have Uriah go home. He's going to go be with his wife, going to have a good time. And then she's going to say, bam, You're right. I'm pregnant. Sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? I mean, it's a wrong idea, but it's a, you know, you got the right wrong card, wrong motives, but it's a good idea. It's a good idea. Look, y'all thinking the same thing in your head. Don't fool me today. You said, preacher, that is a good idea. Don't you dare write that down. You learn from it. Don't write that down. And so the Bible says that he goes home and he doesn't even do it. And David's like, man, what, in the, what am I going to do now? I'm the king. I'm the leader. I'm in control. I'm in charge. I can't allow this to happen. Sin will get you to do some stuff that you thought that you would never do. My father used to always tell me, Chip, never say what you won't do. Never say what you don't try. Because when you're in the moment of temptation or in the moment of fulfilling your lust or your flesh, you will do stuff that you said that you would never do. Because you're caught up in the moment. Your flesh is overriding your spirit. You're no longer Your common sense is no longer working. Because your flesh has taken over. The Bible says that Uriah, uh, uh, David makes up the plan. He said, okay, listen, go out on the battlefield. He tells the other other soldiers, go out on the battlefield. He said, listen, make sure you put Uriah up front. David knew that, listen, the first ones to die are going to be those that are at the front of the battle. And so he tells them, make sure Uriah is at the front of the battle. And they get out there, and they're fighting. Uriah dies now this blood is on David's hands because now you have called for a man a righteous man to die all because of your mistakes God sends a prophet by the name of Nathan and he deals with David in a harsh way listen Right there, that really shows us what prophets really do. Nowadays, we're living in a time now where we hear a person where they call themselves a prophet, they call themselves a prophetess, and all they're doing is prophesying to you about some houses, about some money that you're going to receive in three days if you sow a $1,000 seed today. Oh, you ever seen the ones that be up, they be on TV. They don't come on TV at 9 o'clock when you're up, but they come on 4, 430 in the morning. And say, listen, hey, you so you saw a thousand dollars. I'm gonna send you a bottle of water. I'm not drinking no water that you send me in the mail. Not gonna do it. I don't want no prayer cloth. I can get my own prayer cloth. I can go to my pastor and get my own prayer cloth. I'm not going to take it from you. And so it shows us that David, Nathan deals with David in the way. he says, Listen, I could rent this kingdom from you and give it to your servant. He said, I won't because of the covenant that's been made between you and God. And the Bible says that the baby now comes forth and the baby dies and David goes into a time, he goes into a time of mourning. He puts on his sackcloth and his ashes because he realizes I have allowed myself to mess up over something stupid. I've allowed my flesh to lead me into some stuff that now I don't know how in the world I'm going to get out of it. And so he writes Psalms 51 and he says, listen, God, clean me with hyssop. God, make me whiter than stone. He said, God, deal with me on the inside. But Lord, I know everything that you have to do. But the one thing that I don't need you to do is don't take your presence from me. Don't take your spirit from within me. We are living in the time now, saints, where people feel that they are untouchable from God. Saints of God feel now oh, I'm so anointed. I'm so appointed. I'm so all this. I'm so all that I can do whatever I want to do. And God's hand is going to be on my life. David allowed pride to get in there. David allowed lust to get in there. David allowed his mind to be twisted by the enemy. And he thought, I can go out here. I can sleep with Bathsheba. She's not my wife. Anything can happen. It does not matter because I'm the king, I'm the ruler. I'm the man
0: that's in charge. Nothing can be able to happen to me. Saints of God, I came to warn somebody today. You are never too far. You are never too deep in whatever it is that you're doing that God cannot touch you. Oh, Listen, y'all, I think I'm talking about in a way so that God can bless
1: you, so that God can move in your life. No, no, no. You are never too far away where God can be able to tap you. And remind you who created you, who made you, who motivated, who changed you you're never too far out of God's hand that he can't touch you and sit you right on down. that's a scary thing, Saints, where you're in your sins and you're doing them and you're enjoying them and you have no sense of repentance. You have no sense that you need to change. You have no sense of needing a transformation. You have you see no need to do any of that because I'm happy at where I am. I am upset at people that allow, especially preachers, that allow certain things to go on just to be people pleasers. I don't want to upset the status quo. I don't want to speak, but you know they're living like hellions, but they want to get up in the church. They want to get up in the church, they want to sing, they want to shout, they want to run, they want to speak in tongues, but raise the most hell. If it was a contest, they would win every time. And they think they are untouchable. God is the one that has anointed you. God is the one that has appointed you. So never think that you can go out and do whatever it is that you want to do and think that you're not going to have to suffer the consequences of your actions.
0: Newsflash, the devil is a liar. What you do, the Bible says what you sow, that shall you reap as well. If you sow good, you're going to reap good. If you sow in the flesh, you're going to reap in the flesh. But if you sow in the spirit, you shall reap of the spirit as well. Luke said it best, what's in a man's heart, out of the abundance
1: of his heart, his mouth is going to speak. What's in you is going to come out. Just waiting for the right opportunity to showcase it. It's going to come out. And so David now, he tells God, God, I'm sorry. And some of us can think in our mind, why in the world would, would God allow David to stay in his position as king? even though he messed up. David had David, the prophet Nathan dealt with David in such a way where he had to see himself for who he really was. He had to have an encounter with himself and see David for who David really was. And David was able to stay in his position as king because he acknowledged God, I have a problem, Lord. I got an issue, God. And you are the only one that can help me. You're the only one, God, that can change me. You're the only one that can transform me. And God deals with David and he transforms him. But he allows him to stay in his place as king because his heart is repentant. God can use a repentant hearted person. Because they realize I messed up. I made a mistake. To make me over again. Yeah. I got a question for you today, saints. What's the condition of your heart? When's the last time you examined your heart? When's the last time you said, God, if there be anything within me that's not like you, Lord, mm-hmm. take it away. Because the last thing that I want is for you to take your hand When God takes his hand off of your life, you are open pray for the enemy to work in your life. David says, I don't want that. I don't want it. I don't want it. He said, Lord, clean me with hyssop. Lord, create in me a new heart and renew a right spirit from within me. I know that I'm jacked up on the inside. I know that I'm messed up on the inside. God, and I need you to change me. And what has happened in the church is that people camouflage their hearts. They cover up their hearts. They come in, they're dressed a certain way. They got the hair on, they got the eyelashes on, they got the makeup on, they got the fresh cut, they got on the suit. Everything is looking up to par. But on the inside, you are messed
0: up. And the only way that you're going to be able to get that change is if you acknowledge that there is a problem and allow God to come in and to rearrange and to do some new remodeling in your heart.
1: It's a shame that you've been saved for 30 years, but you still mean. You shout, but speak in tongues, but you still keep up hell. That's a problem. It is a problem. You're serving on the usher board, singing in the choir, call yourself a preacher, but you're still allowing your flesh to lead you in all things. Listen, saints of God, I'm not saying we're going to be perfect. I'm not saying that we won't make mistakes, but there comes a time where you realize that, listen, God, I love you more than I love my flesh. God, I love you more than pleasing my flesh. I love you more than pleasing my desires. But David said that, listen, it's no more about me, God. But it's about you. It is about you, Lord. Come on, tell your neighbor. Say, neighbor, your heart needs to be made over. Your heart needs to be made over, because what has happened now, saints of God, we have allowed so much stuff to take root in our hearts, and now that stuff is rising up and is speaking out of our mouths. Stuff that wasn't dealt with in our childhood, things that we went through, things that we experienced in our childhood, and we're allowing those things to take root in our
0: lives, and now it's operating and it's controlling our lives, and now they have become strongholds, and the devil are using these strongholds to rule and to control our lives.
1: only way your heart is going to be made over is if you will not do just like David and acknowledge and say God listen I'm messed up I'm jacked up Lord I can't do nothing I have everything may look like it going you ever seen somebody you know they, they look like everything is just all going well in their lives they just look everything goes up the par you just think they never go through any struggles we come in here and we have our hands and we're smiling but we're saying if you really only knew If you only knew what was going through my head right now, you would be praying for me right now. You would just come up and just hug me and grab me right now. God says, David, I got to deal with your heart. Because if you're going to be a great king, if you're going to be a great ruler, if you're going to be a great leader, You say, Well, preaching, what are you talking about? What, what are you talking about? We need to make over in our hearts. Go to Matthew chapter 23. But I'm almost done. Somebody's like, Yeah, right. It's <laughs> probably what the little kids be saying. He's always saying that, Mom, but he's never done. <laughs> Mom, ready to go on. He's never done preaching. Matthew chapter 23 and it says this then Jesus said to the multitude and to his disciples the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses seat of authority so observe and practice all they tell you but do not do what they do for they preach but do not practice here Jesus is talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees here the, the religious the, the religious sector the, the elite of all the elite the ones that look down the church people that always look down at the others about what they were doing and Jesus says listen don't do as they say because what they say, they don't practice themselves. There is a religious spirit in the body of Christ today where the church folks are so hypocritical. Not only hypocritical, but judgmental. And I don't understand it, Elder Robinson. I don't understand how we can look down on somebody else because of the present condition that they're in. If truth was only told, if God had not delivered us, we would be strung out on drugs. If God had not touched us and changed some things in us, we would have about seven kids and and an eighth on the way. If it had not been for God working in our lives, we are one paycheck away from being homeless. If it had not been for
0: God working and operating in our lives and supernaturally moving, I wouldn't have a car. I wouldn't have a job. I wouldn't have any friends. I wouldn't have nobody because nobody would want to deal with me. So how in the world can we be judgmental towards somebody else where it's only been God that has been helped us? It's only been God that has kept us. I can't look my nose out at anybody.
1: I can't look at somebody who may be promiscuous and have done some things and say, oh, they ought to have been ashamed of themselves, but that was you 15 years ago.
0: And some, that's you now, but the only difference is you haven't gotten caught and you have the audacity to open up your mouth and to talk about somebody else and what they're going through. know. your job is not to talk about them. Your job is to be there, to say, Listen, I know you got some stuff going on, and I see where you're going, because I've been there, I've done that, and I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I made. I've learned from the things of my past, and I've been doggone if I allow the devil to run in your life and take you through the stuff that I went through. So I can't judge you. I can't look down on you.
1: Because the truth be told, God should have been down with me a long time ago.
0: Yes, he should have taken my, his hand off of my life when I deliberately sinned and sinned and sin Time after time after time after time. I went and asked the Lord for forgiveness, but I went right back into what I was doing once again. And I enjoyed it all the way to the fullest. And I knew I enjoyed it. And my heart wasn't right. My heart wasn't repentant. But God kept me even when I was even in the midst of my ignorance. So I can't, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot look down.
1: Can't look down on nobody. Can't look down on nobody. I can't tell somebody to do one thing, but I do something different. I can't do it. I can't live a double life. I can't be one way in church shouting. But then I'm at the club Friday night. Oh, I ain't got to be at the club. I'm at home doing stuff I shouldn't be doing. Oh, I ain't got to be at home. I'm, I'm, I'm fellowship with some saints that I shouldn't even be Really fool them with. So I cannot be hypocritical and I cannot have a judgmental heart. Saints of God, if we only knew, if God was to really judge us like he did in the Old Testament, man, you know, the only thing that would be in this room are the pews and the lights. Because in the Old Testament, Folks was dropping and just down, bam, out. No, there was no one, there was no nothing. Just bam, you done, you done. Swords was coming on people's bodies and all types of stuff. So we have no right to look down on nobody else. We have no right to be judgmental because it's only been by the grace of God that we survived and that we made it. Somebody ought to give God praise right there. Oh, I don't know what you've done, but you know. And this thing operates in the church. I was telling somebody the other night, I know why folks don't want to come to church. I understand why. Because as soon as they come in, you got somebody already signed. They they said, well, I'm just discerning them, Pastor. No, you're not. You're not discerning them. You're judging them. You're judging about what they got on. You're judging about how they look. You're judging about by their appearance. You're judging them by all this different stuff. You're not discerning them because their spirits are right. You're the one with a jacked-up spirit. And they don't want to come into the house of God. Now, listen, I'm not saying you come here and you stay the same way that you are. You continue to indulge in the things that you indulge. In. No, the word of God changes you. The word of God transforms you but you can't say that I've been with the Lord all this time and you're still the same. Amen. And we have no right to judge. Amen. Our job is when God sends people here, we love them. Amen. If they got hell in them, we love the hell out of them. Amen. Not our job. Not our job that they come in they may not look a certain way. They may, and, 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 and we're looking, at, God is looking at your heart. God is looking at you and you're going to have to give an account to the Lord when you stand before him. And when God goes through go and asks you certain stuff. Well, Lord, I was just being on guard. No, you wasn't. You were judged. You say, well, preacher, all right, I hear you. you know, you're cutting me up about being hypocritical and judgmental. What else? A prideful and an arrogant heart. Why are we prideful? What have we done? may have a couple of degrees, thank the Lord Jesus. Got a good job. But what really have we done? Go to Proverbs chapter twenty, uh, Pro- Proverbs chapter sixteen. What really have we done? Proverbs chapter sixteen. so many prideful and arrogant people in the house of God where everything everything has to be centered around them. They got to be the focus. They got to be acknowledged. If they're not acknowledged their feelings are hurt, they're going to stop tired. They're going to stop coming to church and they're going to stop serving and they think everything is all about them. I thought we come to church to worship the Lord. I thought we come to lift up holy hands unto him and give him praise for who he is. But we have prideful and arrogant hearts and it disturbs the atmosphere of what God really wants to do. But when you got prideful and arrogant hearts, oh, I'm not standing up, praising and worship. I'm not lifting my hands. Proverbs 16, 18 says this. Pride goes before destruction and the haughty spirit before fall, there is some strange and odd stuff, Elder Robertson. That's going on in the church today. I was reading an article uh, the, couple, the couple of days ago. It was a church in North Carolina. Uh, the pastor had been that he came to the church. The church was debt free, debt free, meaning no bills. He comes in demanding they build a new church. So they build a new church. He's all he's pressing tithes and offering. The article said that he walked out of church with bags full of money every Sunday lived in a lavish house, had a jet, had all this luxurious stuff. Now he's facing eight years and six months in jail. And his wife is making, is uh, is taking, I think, six years and eight months in jail. You cannot play in God's house with God's people and think you're going to get away with it. Pastor came out of the closet in Georgia. He said, two things I'm sure of. I was called by God. Been pastoring this church over 20 years and always knew it. Told his wife when they got married, This is how I am. She's all, oh, well, we can change that. It's some strange stuff that's going on in the body of Christ. And people feel because I'm this, because I got this title, I got this, I got that. There's nothing that can be done to me. They allow themselves, they make up this stuff in this, in their minds and their heart, and now it becomes their reality. Yeah. And it's been going on for so long that they don't even fool themselves into believing it. And they think what they're doing is right when the Bible says it's wrong. Listen, let me throw this out there. Don't be fooled by everybody that goes around and saying, listen, I'm bishop so-and-so, I'm prophet so-and-so. Test the spirit by the spirit. person's lifestyle has to match up with the words that's coming out of their mouth. Pride and arrogance is a nasty smelling aroma in the nostrils of God. And if you have some pride and arrogance in your life, you have to realize and ask yourself, that I put the moon in the sky? Did I make the clouds up in the sky? Did I wake myself up this morning? Did I make sure that my limbs were able to move and do what I needed them to do? No, 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 no. You didn't do that because it was God that did it. And so if pride and arrogance is is in your heart, ask the Lord God just like David. Lord, clean me with his Lord, Make me over again, Lord. Create in me a new heart. The last one is a bitter heart. I'm realizing, saints of God, that people that are hurt hurt others. People that are hurt hurt others. They may not do it intentionally. They don't do it on purpose. But because they have not dealt with things that have gone on in their lives, they haven't dealt with their hearts, they haven't dealt with insecurities that they may have, they haven't dealt with some heartaches and disappointments that they have in their lives. Because those things go undealt with, they hurt other folks people they would never they, they 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 look for happiness in money they look for happiness in a, in a marriage or in a relationships and they do all this other stuff to find temporary satisfaction but they fail to realize if i don't deal with me if i don't deal with the man in the mirror i'm going to find myself in this position for the rest of my life with bitterness because what someone told you when you were younger because your mother or your father may have deserted you or someone that you you loved left you or, or departed from you and you're dealing with this bitterness in your heart and now this bitterness has taken root in your heart and now it has led to anger where you just step off at the drop of a dime. You don't want to fool with people. You don't want to deal with people. And people are trying to love on you. People are trying to show you that that they care about you. But you push them away. And you tell them to leave you alone. But really what you're saying, please don't leave me. Please stay. Because everybody else has walked away. Everybody else has given up on me. Look, go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. says this, let all bitterness and indignation and wrath, passion, rage, bad temper and resentment, anger, animosity and curl and brawl, uh, uh, brawl and clamor, contention and slander, evil speaking, abusive or blaspheming language to be banished from you and with all malice, spite, ill will or baseness of any kind. Listen, listen, Paul is telling us here in Ephesians, he says, listen, let all the bitterness and all that stuff get rid of it in your life because you don't need it there. Because what happens is, saints of God, we become bitter over things that have happened in our lives. And those things may have happened years ago. It has happened years ago. It has gone on. And because we have not dealt with that stuff, we continue to wallow in what we're going through. When there comes a point in time in your life, I'm not being insensitive to what you may have encountered, what you may be going through right now. But listen, tell your neighbor, say, sometimes, sometimes. there's going to come a day where you got to get over it. That you're going to have to get, I know it may be a tough pill to swallow, but there comes a time in your life, if you really want to move forward, if you really want to launch out into the deep, if you really want to get past the things in your life, you're going to have to get over certain stuff. Because if you don't get rid of it, you, that bitterness is going to start to go over into your life. And the next thing you know, you are going to reproduce just what you were. Another generation of bitter children. I'm bitter because my mom was bitter. She's bitter because her grandma, her mom was bitter. And it goes on and on and on. I know what happened to you was not, it wasn't good. It should never happen. But God. you must be willing to look yourself in the mirror and acknowledge listen God I need your help I got problems I got issues God and you're the only one that can be able to fix them I can't go to the preacher he can pray for me but he can't do what needs to be done I can't go to mom I can't go to daddy I can't go to the prayer warrior but I can only come to you Lord and I need you to deal with my heart God because my heart has been broken my heart has been abused my heart has been misused Some people walk around life just angry, angry at the world, mad at everybody. It's nothing worse than a, 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 a woman that has been mistreated by a man because now all men are dogs. All men are no good. And they take it out on the next guy that comes. Now he has to pay for what somebody else did. He wasn't even around. Let God mend your broken heart. Let God fix what only He can fix. You say, Well, preacher, I don't even know how to start. I don't know how to begin. And I want you to step out on faith. Our ministers and our elders and our mothers and our prayer words are going to be here praying. And I just want you to come ahead and let somebody touch and agree with you in prayer. If you need someone to pray with you, I want you to come. Just come.